from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back. It's early April. We have plenty to talk about, and it's getting down to the wire now. We're 10 days out. If you're listening to this on Monday or even Sunday night, uh, we are putting the finishing touches on the Rogue Analytics Draft Guide. It should be out late Monday or early Tuesday. We're trying to crunch through that. There's a lot of stuff going on, but thank you for your patience. And what we're going to do is give you all, our listeners, a discount code that you can put in at the website and get yourself a few bucks off of it. So uh, look forward to that. We're very excited, and we have tons of draft stuff to talk about today. I think we're going to kind of focus on what's going to happen, given that the Chiefs are picking at 54. I think that's where we need to start, and and that's going to be the focus of what we'll talk about today. We've got a couple little things elsewise, but we want to say thank you to you guys for hanging with us. I know it's the off season. It's tough to keep, keep listening every day, uh, especially when there's not much going on right at the moment. So thank you for that. I'm Ryan. You know where to find my stuff at LockedOnChiefs.com and Chiefs Digest and everything else. So uh, good morning and welcome. And I am Chris Clark. I am the managing editor of LockedOnChiefs.com. And I am promising that there will be a lot more content coming out on that site very soon uh, after April 18th. I was going to say, it's almost like it's after tax season. Yeah, I don't know why that would <laughs> affect anything at all whatsoever. Uh, you're going to have your freedom here pretty quick, buddy. Yeah, well, thank thank goodness. So a lot of talk right now from what I see about what's going to go on with that 54th pick. And before we even get into that, I know where you're going. Where am I going? Well, they might not be at the 54th pick. They might oh, that's, exactly the where I, that's exactly where I was going. I was going to ask you, what do you think the chances are that they're actually picking at 54? I think there's a good – oh, at picking at 54, I think there's probably a 60 to 70% chance. I think they're probably moving around or, or looking at moving around, you know, inquiring from teams right now. That's kind of, at this point, 10 days out from the draft, a little bit more. That's kind of what these teams are doing, um, trying to finalize the board. Evidently, um, I can't remember exactly if it's today or tomorrow, but it's we're winding down on when um, teams can have players come in and visit. Um, and that winds down here, I think, in, in the next 48 hours. And at that point, teams can still continue to go visit players elsewhere but they can't have them into their facilities so that's kind of like the last thing where teams have their board stacked and they're pretty much finished up and then they start thinking about strategy and how to move around or get where they want to go so i, I think there's a lot of feelings i love uh, make words up strategy. Yeah, hey, <laughs> when you're this old that's what you get to do or elsewise i mean that was that was a good one too. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I go to that when I want to confuse my kids. Yeah, well, I can I can imagine why it would confuse your kids. Yeah, well, and this is so, why he's not the managing editor of LockedOnChiefs.com. Right, because I couldn't spell half the things I say anyway. True, but the point being is that I think I think you have you know a legitimate question. I just don't know the the volume of picks, or I guess it's probably better to put it the the value of picks that you would have to give up in order to move into the first round from 54 is pretty drastic. You're talking about giving up your second, clearly. I mean, even, even to get to 31 with the Patriots who, you know, you know, want to trade or even with, with Doug Peterson, who I don't, I don't think the Eagles want to move out, but 
in order to do that, you have to give up at least one of your thirds and probably a later down pick as well is my guess because of the way everything's going to go at the latter end of the first round. And I honestly don't think they had the firepower to move up beyond that. Well, and I don't know that they really should be trying to move up beyond that. I get the thought process of wanting to get into the first round, but I don't think it's going to be uh, something that's really viable for Kansas City unless they're willing to give up a first rounder next year, which I don't want to go down that road either. So, well, and here's the thing: is there's only there's only one scenario in giving up an extra first rounder, and that's for a quarterback. And clearly, they're set. I, I don't think you're going to see anything like that. But if you're talking about, you know, I've seen people uh, wanting to look into Harold Landry. Okay, great. Harold Landry is a guy worth moving up for, in my opinion, because of the thinness at the top of the, of the pass rusher class in this group. If you're going to move up for a guy, pass rusher is one of the, of the positions to do it for. But well, a corner too. I would think there would be a corner or two that you could talk that about in that same breadth. Yeah, but I think I think the top echelon, the top tier, is probably a good five or six players deep. Whereas pass rusher, there's basically two. And after that, it, the second tier falls below them. And so I, no one's going to go up and get Chubb because I think he's still going to be a top 10 pick. Harold Landry is going to be somewhere, my guess is, in the teens. But I think that's and still that, a long way to go. But that also all depends on how the first five shake out. Um, I mean, we assume that there are going to be four quarterbacks taken in the first five picks. Yeah, but that'll affect Chubb a lot more than Landry. Landry's going to go somewhere in the middle of the first round, is my thought, because of this basic thing. Once you get out of the top 10, those teams generally have quarterbacks. And at that point, you're either looking for a cover guy in a, in a corner, which I think several will go there as well, or you're looking for outside passers. So by the time you get to 20, I think because there's, there's Chubb and there's Landry, I don't think Marcus Davenport – belongs in that discussion. So I think he's lower down late first, early second. I have a mid second round grade on him to tell you the truth, but you know, there's hype everywhere. So whether there's a single team that believes that, I don't know. Yep. It only takes one team. Right. So I, I'm sure they're talking about it. I think what might be more likely is that the first round concludes the chiefs take a look at their board and see what might be remaining um, and if they are affected by what they have or thought they were going to have as options, I think what's more likely is that they try to put a package together in order to move up to the top of the second round. So they reset after day one, and then maybe they try to get in the top five, something like that, to try and do what they feel they need to do. I don't think it has to be the first round if they trade up. I agree with that. I It's going to be very – Fun to watch this year's draft just because you never know what Kansas City is going to do. After last year, uh, all bets are off as to how Beach is going to run this draft. Yeah, and I won't be able to take my eyes off on my, on Thursday night either because I don't think they're going to win the first round. But, hey, didn't think they'd go get Pat Mahomes either. So uh, I can't really tune out the first night of the draft thinking that they're going to be not taking a selection. Yeah, and thank you, John Dorsey, for that pick. And Brett Veach, too, though. That's the thing, is it wasn't just... No, I know it wasn't Dorsey. just Dorsey, but Dorsey was the one that made the moves to go get... to be able to go get him. Right. He was a trigger puller. Right. But you could tell by the reactions from the war room that night 
if you go back and look at some of the pictures, Brett Veach is right in the thick of that as well, yep. uh, as as well as Mike Riganti. So I think what that tells me is it's not out of the realm of possibility as much as you would have thought having had that GM go elsewhere. Uh, I think it's there's a little more continuity there, and maybe that gives um, the chance of moving around a, a better a better percentage. Well, Kansas City is a wild card right now. Uh, you know, honestly, the team that I'm most going uh, that I'm going to be most intrigued by, and people are not going to like me saying this, but it's going to be the Patriots. Yeah, I think they I think they hold a large key to how the first round plays out. Because they went to 23? Well, because of all the picks they have, and there's been a lot of talk lately that they need a QB, which obviously Brady is uh, their starter, but they need you know another guy. Um, if they're going to go try to get Lamar Jackson, which has been rumored, that's going to shake up the first round. Yeah. I mean, but here's my thing is if you want Lamar Jackson, I don't think you have to move out of 23 to get him. I think he's going to be there. Unless, unless the league reads Lamar Jackson a lot different than anyone else does. I haven't heard a whiff of it from anybody. Oh, and by the way, we had a scheduling conflict, uh, but we're going to talk to Tony Pauline, uh, the NFL insider and, and draft specialist here later in the week. So we'll have his insight for you all, uh, hopefully coming by the end of the week. And you would think that that's something that people that are in the know, like Tony, uh, would have an inkling of or some kind of, of thought on. I haven't seen a peep of that. Well, I've just I've just seen, seen people talking on Twitter, and I understand that that's not gospel, and I'm not trying to say it is. I'm just saying that, to me, New England holds the key to how the bottom part of the first round shakes out because with their draft picks that they have, 23 and 31 and a couple of twos and all of that draft capital, they're going to do something with it this year, I think. Um, they haven't been very successful in the first round, so – the first and second round of the past several drafts. So it wouldn't surprise me if they go and make a move for a QB. And you may, you may be right. Maybe they won't have to go move to go get Lamar Jackson, but all it takes is for them to believe somebody else is going to go get him if that's their guy. Well, you want to hear my theory? Let's hear it. Bill Belichick himself has gone to a lot of the pro day workouts this year and has worked with a lot of pass rushers and linebackers and D linemen. I think it may not be Jackson that they're targeting. I think they need an impact player in their front seven. And I wonder if they're not trying to plan a move up to do that. Maybe for Harold Landry, like we talked about, but I I know they like Chubb. And if they could get up into that five and see how it shakes out, I think that would be the blockbuster that would really change this draft. And I would not put it past the Patriots to do it. Could be. I just think that they're going to be very fun team. Well, not even necessarily fun. I mean, you also have the Bills that are in the same division that need a QB. Um, they're going to be doing something to move up. So, fair enough. Uh, I th- there's going to be a lot of movement in this year's draft. I think just because you have several teams that have multiple number one picks, uh, and that's generally not obviously the way that goes. So, we'll see. Well, let's start talking about the Chiefs draft after we take a quick second and pay some bills here. So the Chiefs clearly have a couple of ways that they can go. And when you talk about stacking their board uh, and who's going to be where in the 50s right there, and, and you know, I, I can't say 54 in particular, but somewhere around the 50th pick to the 60th pick, uh, you can make those estimations as who's going to be there. 
And when you start talking about those positions specifically, um, the discussion about best player available comes into play. But I think what you have to keep in mind is boards are stacked in the fashion of how the leadership uh, as well as the scouts see the class. And there's natural bias. If you have a need at a position like pass rusher or cornerback, it's going to gravitate a little bit towards those positions. So I expect to see in that group a number of both of those positions as probably going to be the best available on the board at the time. So what's your thought going forward? Where do you expect them to go and do you think they should? Well, if they think there's a pass rush guy to go get, then you go get him. But I don't know that there will be. Uh, you know, we've kind of talked about this before. You know, you're getting down into a much lower tier with those guys. That pass rush, because it's such a shallow class, I, I really think that maybe corner makes a lot of sense if they think that there's somebody that they're there that they really like. Um, it, it's really hard to know. I mean, you know, Therese, in his first mock, had a, them taking a tight end and Jacecki, which I know you would not like. I don't. I don't mind the player. Um, I don't think he's very well rounded, to tell you the truth. But I think I think it's a, a novel idea. But I don't think that he's going to be anywhere near there. I, I think Therese is, is trying to play off of maybe what he's heard personally from of his some of his contacts within the league. But everything that I've talked to people who have contacts in the league, and I'm not one of those people. I don't have my own sources. I, I take information from other people, folks. So don't don't at me about where I got what. I'm going off of others' information. But this could be a class that is rumored to maybe even get three first-round tight ends just because of the weakness at other positions. I really can't see Gusek being there. Um, but if he is... I think at 54, he's the type of athlete that can change an offense. And if he is there, I think it's justifiable, even though the team needs this much defense. Wow. That's a complete turnaround from where you were a couple weeks ago. Well, and it's only because it's him. I don't think there's another tight end in the class that as is as athletic that can really be a, a 1B to Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's the kind of athlete Zeki is. He is up there with Travis in terms of his movement. He can't block. Uh, Travis Kelsey is a better blocker than him right this minute. So, Well, but Travis not, Kelsey wasn't a great blocker coming out of college either. That's true, and that's a fair point. But my point being is that he's not there to block. <clears throat> no. He's there, as we've seen this offseason, to be another offensive weapon. Well, and I think – go ahead. I was just going to say, one thing I liked about what Therese said, and I think that there's a lot of validity in this – uh, was that he talked about how if they did get a guy like Jacecki in in the sec- or in the second round, and maybe they feel maybe they like the kid enough to where they would move up and get you know him earlier. Who knows? I don't know. But if they did pick a guy like him, you could see the Chiefs' offense go to, to much more of a two tight end uh, friendly system as a base set. Yeah, it, that's a certain possibility, and we already know how much. Andy Reid likes to use multiple tight ends. Yep. I think I think that gives you a reliable pass catcher that's athletic. Don't get me wrong, Demetrius Harris 
is athletic. I mean, he brings those kind of things. You've seen him get open. That pass from Mahomes against the Broncos isn't going to get caught by another tight end, maybe not even Kelsey, because of, of where the ball was placed. It, it takes leaping ability and athleticism. He's just not consistent in playing this sport. And I think that's my biggest problem with Demetrius Harris. If they were to go Gusecki, that's a completely different scenario. Then you have two tight ends that can stretch the field, that can catch over the middle, that are dynamic with the ball in their hands. And, man, if you're talking about those two with Watkins and Hill on the outside and Conley in the slot or moving around between he and Hill, that's a scary offense in and of itself. If they could backfill with well, defense the rest of the draft, you're talking about probably a Vermeil-capable offense. We'll see how they actually perform. But a better defense probably than they had during the Vermeil years. Well, and what I would say when you're talking about the offense is the one thing that I really would like about the Jacecki move, if they went and got a guy like that, is at that point you have multiple threats that are – are and scary is not really the right word, but it's the only one I can think of right now that would scare teams. I guess I'll put it that way uh, at tight end and at wide receiver. You know, if you lost Hill last year, you were in deep crap. Yeah, they lost a whole Kelsey. dimension in the offense, right? And they lost Kelsey, and you saw how that affected the offense. So going and getting a tight end like that gives you multiple guys that can do – and I'm not saying Jacecki's going to be Kelsey. I'm not trying to say that at all. I am saying, though, with his athleticism and his speed, that gives you a guy that can step in and be a very light Travis Kelsey in a pinch if you need him to be. Yeah. And that's that's huge for this offense. And and that's why, not to change my tune, but just because I still don't think it's a possibility. I don't think he'll be there. But if he was, okay. The next guy that they'll talk about is probably a Dallas Goddard. Not, he's got serious injury concerns. It's, again, another position that's that's got a nice player at the top, but very thin at that top echelon. And then there's a big chunk in the second tier. So I think that scenario of a tight end at 54 is specific to the Penn State tight end, Kiseki, and that's it. So, um, But we need to talk about the defense. Let's take another second, and we'll hit you guys with this, and we'll be right back. Now, at 54, for the defenders, I think it's going to be thick at that point with some options uh, for probably all three of the major defensive needs. It, it depends how you rate those needs. I still feel like it's outside linebacker and corner first followed by safety and, and then defensive line. Um, do you have that order the same, or do you switch it around? No, that sounds pretty good. Uh, whether or not they are able to go that direction is going to be uh, fun to watch because I, I just don't know that there's going to be a pass rusher there that's really worth that that second-round pick, but maybe there's somebody that falls. Uh, you know, With the lack of depth at pass rush, I would just think that's going to move some guys up the board and you're going to be getting a third-round talent in the second round if you try to take pass rusher there. That, and that could be. There's a couple of guys that I feel are probably worth it there, though. The, the first being Lorenzo Carter. Uh, outside linebacker, plays in the 3-4, and rushes in the... the oh, and it doesn't front. hurt. It doesn't hurt that he's from Georgia. 
No, but that that's part of it because what you're going to hear is people complain that he wasn't productive as a pass rusher in college. And that may be true because of the way he was used because he's a true outside linebacker and he can play in coverage. And what they needed more at Georgia in the last two years was coverage. So that's what he did. But he certainly is capable of rushing the passer. And he's a guy that brings the kind of athleticism that you can't find other places. Now, he may not be there at 54. There are I don't know, projections from people, rumors from uh, talking to uh, NFL personnel. It's all over the board on him. Some think he could be you know, a, a top 30 pick. Some people think he's a late second. It, it's crazy. I think it's going to be pretty close, and I see him somewhere between 45 and 55 is probably his range in reality. And I just don't know if that lasts long enough for the Chiefs to take him. Yeah. And, you know, that would be great if they're able to go out and fill out, you know, fill that pass rush role. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's a large stretch to rely on Ford and Pasadena at this point in my mind. So being able to go out and get another guy would be great. Uh, whether or not he's going to be available is going to be the key. And we already talked about it, that they could possibly be looking to move up uh, into the first part of the second round if there's a guy that they really want uh, that fell. Yeah, I mean, for the folks who think that they can rely on passing, you know, he's not there. He's not anywhere close. You saw him play some some splashdowns. I'll give him that last season. But we don't even know until today when the offseason program starts whether D Ford's back is even functional and he's going to be available. That's probably the bigger question. But no matter what his offseason was, K-Pass is not going to have been able to progress in an offseason far enough to be a reliable starter, especially for a guy who is still trying to change positions and is not as natural at OLB as as he was in, in college at DE. So you still need another premier guy. I, I, you can't rely just on K-Pass and maybe if Daddy Nicholas is around because uh, they're just too young. They, they haven't done enough. So I think this is still a serious thought. And, you know, I see people talking about Josh Sweat, who's been injured and wasn't terribly productive in college. I see people talking about Kamiko Ture. I'm sorry, Kamoko Ture. I keep pronouncing that. Actually, uh, Therese has in his mock draft for Kansas City later on in the third round, I believe. Oh, really? I didn't see that. You know, and, and that's that's – that's great. John Leonard loves him too. I think that's crazy. He's at best a fourth rounder for me. Wasn't terribly productive in college. Ton of injury concern, but he's an athlete and he gives you bend for sure. <clears throat> that looks like guys you've seen in the league be successful. And that's, that's probably what it comes down to is you're seeing guys that look like other players that have been successful. You know, Arden keys the same way. He's got a lot of bend too. He's got so much baggage. I won't be surprised if he goes undrafted. I won't be surprised if he's taken in the second round. I just somebody might take a chance. Maybe nobody does though. It's it's that crazy. And I think when you look at the second round, there's Carter, uh, who was very productive when he was allowed to rush, and that's that's really what it came down to. Um, when I do my pressure ratings, uh, and they'll be in the draft guide. It's not necessarily how often you rushed, but what you were able to do in terms of producing pressure while you were rushing. Um, PFF 
puts out a rough count of pass rush snaps, and you can see how productive a player is it. And when you look at the guys available in this list, Lorenzo Carter's in the top eight in terms of production. I think particularly in pressures, I think he's in the top five, as is a guy uh, named Okoronkwo out of Oklahoma, who's undersized but got long arms. I think he's going to be a third-round pick. The Chiefs could probably pick him up at 78 pretty comfortably, and they don't have to go 54. Um, so that's something else to keep uh, an eye on. That second and, tier is going to be wider. And I was correct. Uh, Therese has Ture going – or yeah, Ture at 86 for Kansas City. At 86, okay. You know, I, I honestly think he's more of a – 110, 125-ish range. But, you know, Trez has, has insight uh, in the league that maybe he's heard something specific. So I'm not going to question him on it. I just don't particularly agree from what I've seen. So, Well, and like I said before, surprise, surprise that you're pounding the, your fist for a Georgia guy. I'm not pounding my fist, actually. If I had my druthers, I think they should go corner at 54 because I think Okoronkwo will be there, and I think he's productive as well as kind of a chip on his shoulder, smaller. Okay, so, okay so who do who do they go 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 for at corner if at 54? You know, I, I'd love to see Isaiah Oliver there at 54. Um, tall, long, fast, shifty corner out of Colorado. Uh, I just don't think he's going to last that long. So I've seen a lot of people projecting Dante Jackson, and that's great. Super speed demon. He's got good lateral agility. Um, he can he can mirror. He can play the slot. But that's the thing. Now you're talking about three guys on this roster in Fuller, Nelson, and if they chose Jackson, that are now best suited for the slot. And it's funny you mentioned that name because Therese has him picked for the Chiefs at 78. Ah, okay, okay. So, yeah, and I can see where Therese is going with that. My only problem is that requires a lot of faith and maybe even complete faith that Kendall Fuller can play on the outside. And I I have nothing to say that he can't. I just don't know. So if that is the pick, I think that tells you exactly how they feel about him going into the season at being an outside guy. But that doesn't solve your problem on the other side of the defense. So... I still think it's better to get uh, an outside boundary, taller, bigger guy that, that can play and hold up a whole side of the field. What about like Hughes from UCF? You know, Hughes has some significant off the field stuff. And while that doesn't disqualify him in the Chiefs eyes or even mine, I, I'm probably a little bit more hesitant than the, the team is. Um, I just don't know that he's really any better than a couple of other decent options. I mean, when you look at his size, I can't remember his exact height. I'd have to go look that up. I think he's just over 5'10". So he's smaller than Marcus Peters was. He wasn't as productive as Peters was. My big problem is when you look at uh, his turnover production, he was all right. Middle of the road in this class. Um, His hawk rate, which includes PBUs, was a little bit better. But not not anything drastic to write home about. You're still looking at guys like Oliver, guys like Josh Jackson that are going to be light years ahead of him in terms of getting their hands on the ball as a defender. I think that's still probably the primary thing that this team looks at. Well, that is a lot of draft talk going into the draft coming up here in a couple of days. Well, actually, I guess it's still a week out. It seems like it's a lot closer than that, though, at this point. Anything else you want to touch on real quick? Uh, I would just say the other guys, uh, second, third round area on day two to look at for corners, Quentin Meeks. 
Um, I like Chandon Sullivan late in the draft. I think he might be a nice pickup. Um, Nick Nelson was a guy that I thought would be a great fit for the Chiefs, but he got hurt. So look, uh, I wouldn't expect that. And I think folks that are looking towards uh, who is it? Uh, the McFadden, who was was pretty hot coming into his senior year, but really kind of fizzled. Uh, he's he gets his hands on a lot of passes. And I will give him that. I don't think he's worth 54, but I think he could be an option in the third round. Uh, and there's just going to be a number of them. And when the rankings come out or in athleticism, you'll be able to compare those to people's draft guides as to what they look like on film. And I think that'll tell the tale. Fair enough. And you know what? Maybe we'll talk about some more of them tomorrow as we move on to some of the other positions uh, and, and get a better look. But thank you all for listening today. Make sure you rate and review and leave us everything. Um, check out the number at 913-777-4457 leave us a voicemail let us know what you want to know about and we'll try to bring it up on the show and we'll be back with you tomorrow thanks for listening to the locked on chiefs podcast while you're out there give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.